Welcome to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. This is episode 163. The Rise Up Network is committed to sharing the good news. Those servant leaders that are out there in your communities and marketplace that are making a difference are influencing others for good. I have two folks in studio with me that I'm very excited to talk about. We're going to be talking about relationship, and we're going to specifically be talking about marriages. And I have Elisa and Tony DiLorenzo, the co-founders of One Extraordinary Marriage in studio. Guys, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you, James. Such an important, such an important topic. You know, we all are in relationships, whether you're married or not. You know, just being human being, there's that natural desire for connection and relationship. So important. I'm very excited to talk about this. First, though, I, I want to back up a little bit. You guys, you know, you've been married 22 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wasn't always super smooth and thriving and vibrant. You know, you had your challenges and your trials. Absolutely. I mean, we've, in those 22 years, we've been on the brink of divorce twice. We've had wow. financial crises a number of times. We've uh-huh. lost a child. Oh and we've been through... We've been through a lot of things that statistically say, you know what, you should be divorced now. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, you know, here we are 22 years later saying our marriage is actually better than ever. That's phenomenal. Let's, you know, give our our listeners and our network a little bit of background. You know, Mm -hmm. where are you guys from? Where'd you where'd you go to school? What's your professional careers been like? Yeah, we met in the summer of 1994. Wow. Okay. I had just turned 21 at uh, and I was attending the University of Colorado at Boulder. Nice. And Elisa had come out for the summer to do an eight-week internship, and she was staying actually at my fraternity house, which I was working at over the summer for free room and board. You're like, this chick's got to be cool. She's staying at the fraternity house? <laughs> well, their whole program was staying there. Okay. Um, and so I was I was working there. It, it, yeah. was, it was my summer job, and the directors of the program said the year prior, we didn't really mingle with the students and they asked us to just mingle, get to know them a little bit more. And so we just happened to meet over, gosh, what was it, baby doll? We mingled a lot, let's just put it that way. We We did. You were fulfilling on your duty. I I was. I mean, but we watched, talk about well, serving. Right? We watched right? World Cup <laughs> and O.J. Simpson. That was the year of the O.J. Simpson yes. white Bronco. It's great to bond over. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what not to do with your life. Right, right, right. And, and we were only going to stay. We, we'd met. We figured it was going to be a summer fling. And I put her on the airplane. Uh, airplane yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm really going to miss her. And I remember just tearing up in that airport going, I am not going to lose her. Yeah. And Elisa, where were you going back to? I was going back to Indiana. I was at a small liberal arts school there, DePaul University. DePaul, nice. And I had had my senior year to finish up, so I wasn't, you know, I was, uh, my plan was to go on to grad school. I had all of these plans. And then I meet this guy from Colorado. Then what? Skip grad school. Okay. Moved to Colorado after graduation. Parents weren't happy. Parents were not happy. Nice. And so that was the summer of 95, and we married October of 96. Wow. Okay, fast track it. So you knew. Young. You, mm-hmm. you guys were like, all right, I found my partner in crime here. I found my soulmate. This is who I'm going to do life with. Yeah, and his mom had said, you know, I read an article somewhere that says, you know, you shouldn't marry a guy until he's 30. And I'm like, well, I'm not waiting around. Like, Tony was 21, 22. I'm like, I'm not waiting until he's 30 to right, get married yeah. to him. We're not so. getting any younger. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> so we got married young, 23 and 22. Uh-huh. And what were you guys doing for careers? Were you guys working then? <laughs> I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Okay. Yeah. In there. Good entry-level job right out of college. Management mm-hmm. trainee program. Sure. 
And what were you doing back then? Well, I was doing sales work. And then after oh, yeah. that, early on in our marriage, I got introduced into what's called paintless dent repair okay. and got trained in learning how to do that skill. Yep. And so it was great. The company I began to work for uh, paid for my training and everything and just working with my hands. I loved it. A lot of traveling, though, driving. Um, so those early years of our marriage were really tough okay. because we weren't around each other. I was training, so I was living with my folks because they were closer to the uh, the corporate center there. Elisa was living down in the desert, Palm Desert, where we lived. We'd only see each other on the weekends. Mm. And then once we did start getting together more on a weekly basis, living under the same roof. I was driving down to LA from mm -hmm. Redlands area. So up early, I don't know, 4 a.m., drive down to LAX to work, to come back. I mean, we would see each other maybe an hour or so a day. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm reliving all of those moments like, oh. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we didn't spend much time together. I mean, we lived for our weekends. And even then, our weekends were sitting on the couch, you know, watching TV. We didn't do much. I mean, we would try to get out, but we were just so burned out. And, and we were in our 20s and we were burned out. Uh, it, yeah. it's, sort of, it's sort of crazy to think now we're in our mid-40s and it's like, man, we have more energy now than we did then. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. That was not a good season. And, and yet it was out of there and just out of all of that disconnect and pain that really, you know, Fast forward 10 years into our marriage brought us to a point where we're like, you know, we got to do something different. This is not working. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And Elisa, maybe, you know, walk us through like, what was that point where you're like, mm, I think I made a mistake here. Might be time for divorce. So the first time it happened uh, was about four years in. Tony had hiked the Pacific Crest Trail from Mexico to Canada. Super cool, but probably yeah. not great for a match. Uh, I, I did ask her to come hike with me and do okay. the whole thing with me. So it wasn't like I just took off. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't do it, you know, on his own. But Tony, I, I did do. But and, and I did do it for a good cause. I was raising funds for my brother's foundation, so the Thalassemia Foundation. I wanted to raise money for that. I wanted to bring awareness to that. Um, but at that age too, I wasn't really thinking much of like, oh, this is going to be an this is going to be impactful to both of us when I come back after being on the trail for four and a half months. Right. I just didn't think about that. Well, and Tony is an optimist. I mean, he, this mm. is the guy that you know every morning he wakes up and it's going to be a great day. And I'd had somebody tell me um, whose husband had also done some through hiking that when they come back, it's just this huge adjustment of going from you know basically carrying your life on your shoulders, mm -hmm. and he was gone 138 days to at that point in time we were living in Orange County so coming back to just massive traffic and congestion and people everywhere and all of that and so concrete city he came home and fell into a depression mm -hmm. and we didn't know how to handle it as a couple and so sure. you know this was still you know back in the days of yellow pages so I yeah, remember yeah. coming home one day and sitting down at lunch I came home from work and I said here's the deal I, you know it's the whole I love you but I'm not you know, in love with you. Right. So I, I did that talk and I said, and I've been flipping through the yellow pages looking for a divorce attorney. We can't go on like this. Mm. Wow. And it, you know, fortunately for me, it was enough of a kick in the pants to him that he like got up and started getting out of our apartment and, and taking action. Um, wow. Thank God. And I was scared. I, yeah. I think really at the core of it, you know, James, when, when she brought that to my attention, we didn't have any kids at the time. We waited six years before we had our first. And yet, I remember just sitting there going, what the heck just hit me? How did this happen? Right. And how did I get to this point? And I really realized that she was right. You know, I, I took this, um, just this passive role in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I was deflecting everything off of myself and onto her. 
I wasn't working. I, I just was making excuses. Uh, I lived behind that door because I didn't want to get out. And so that, that was sort of a kick in the pants for me to just go, okay, something needs to change. It may not be exactly what I'm going to go into in, in terms of work mm -hmm. because I had left my job then and they, they were willing to take me back. I just wasn't ready to go back there, but it was just sort of like, you know what, let me just go do something. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so just getting out there, starting to meet some people again and, and landed on my feet. And I knew it wasn't going to be the end. It was the beginning of something new. Mm -hmm. So we, so you get that, you, you know, you get out of that funk, so to speak. And what had you say, all right, we can make this work. And then what did it look like from there forward? So we happen to both be very stubborn people. Okay. And we come from intact families. Yeah. Okay. And so. On, both of your parents are still married? Yes. My, mar my parents were, were married until my father passed a year ago. Got it. And mm -hmm. so partly we didn't want to be the first one in our generation to get divorced. Yeah. And so we're. We it's just, kind of a nice healthy pressure like. You know, like, hey, you got you grew up with good role models. Yes. Yeah. And you want to fulfill on that yourself. Absolutely. And so we, we started to say, okay, you know, how are we going to make this work? Mm. Right? That was, you know, that was when we realized that we needed to be more intentional yep. about our marriage. We yeah. needed to do things together. It wasn't enough to just be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're here. Right. Like, Let's go do stuff. Let's do this life that we agreed to. Let's do it together. Yeah. Yeah. And we left Orange County. It, it, th there's this part in just of my life. And I think Elisa would agree too that we enjoyed the outdoors. We enjoyed getting out and, and being active. And so for us, it it was also a time of just like spreading our wings. We'd been married long enough, but we I, I think we both felt that having grown up in Southern California, myself, my family was here. They had their sort of their traditions, what they wanted for our marriage. And I think Elisa and I really just wanted to be ourselves. And who are we going to be? What's our family going to be? And so we we moved out of Southern California. We moved up to Spokane, Washington for a year and a half the snow drove us away yep the second winter <laughs> and uh but but we learned up there we got away from everything that we knew sure and we started anew yep. and we we're like okay we're gonna have to meet new friends and we're gonna have to get jobs and we're gonna have to figure this out on our own and nobody's gonna be here to do that and we're gonna make our marriage something exciting for us and, and that's what we did and what did that what did that start to look like that you know that excitement out in reality it was i mean at the most basic level it was getting out and hiking together it was exploring a new yeah. city it was you know say, having conversations right and, and yeah. even then you know even being up in washington we still you know we still had our rough spots because we were on our own you know so you go sure. out of you go out of having the comfort of family or your support network and yet it was still it still wasn't where it is now we still had some more hurdles that we had to go through because um, moving back to Southern California, which we did after our son was born, it was very much a, okay, what does life look like here? Sure. Yeah, we still had to deal with debt. Um, we would lose, we had our first son up in Washington and, you know, two years later we would lose a baby. Mm. And that was the second time that we really faced, you know, Challenges. that was my depression. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, the divorce question loomed again. Right. And it was after that where, you know, things really started to take the turn for the better mm -hmm. as we came out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say th there are still some times there. I mean, it wasn't just like a flip of the switch by any stretch of the imagination. I still feel like there are still a couple of years in there where we were still just 
moseying along, plateauing, yep. not really being intentional about our marriage, not really taking action much. We were just going through it. We had sure. our first kid, our second kid came along as a parent. You know, you're just you're just in the weeds at times. And mm-hmm. I really don't think we have to be. I think that's just what we fell into because everybody just says that's what you got to be. You know, you got to yeah. just be in the weeds. It's, this is what it is. They're hard. They're this. And really, they're, they're a joy. They're fun. I think as teenagers, they're even more work than when they're little toddlers. At least at least when they're newborns <laughs> and stuff, you can keep your hands on them. When they're, when they're 16 and 13 and they're, they're here and they're there and you got to watch out with what's happening and you have to let go and allow them to grow up. As a married couple, you can get into some heated discussions. But we definitely, by year 11, we had hit a point, though, again, where we were just sort of like facing each other going, well, what the heck are we going to do now? Because we got a five and a two-year-old, and life is just sort of moseying along again. And is this yeah. what it's going to be like now for the for the rest of our life? Or are we going to really, really do something now? And what was, you know, what was that process that you two walked through together to say, all right, this is it. We're not looking back anymore. Well, Tony, along with that optimism, he's yeah. he's the visionary. He's the big idea guy. Excellent. And so, you know, we're looking at this. Are we going to be roommates? Are we going to get divorced? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And again, that stubbornness kicks in. Like, we're not going to, we're not, we're not getting divorced. Okay. That's off the table. We actually literally took that off the table for our marriage. It's not been uttered since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were preparing to lead a small group at our church mm. uh, on intimacy and, uh, Tony. and specifically on sex. I, w- I, I was so frustrated at this point in time that sex is not talked about in the church. And so I was like, let's It's almost it. like taboo. Right. And I'm like, why, why don't we talk about this? Like it happens. We have all these kids roaming, roaming around. So we know where they're coming from. It's a natural part of life. Yet it's like this forbidden thing to talk about. Like, let's not talk about it. So, I feel like Europeans get it right. And then, in American culture, it's like, oh, gosh, don't talk about a lot of things. Yeah, don't don't talk about it. And so I told I told Elise, I said, we're going to lead this small group. Why don't we do it on sex? And she honestly came back to me. She's like, you find me a book and we'll do it. Yeah, I was like, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I was like, game on. I'm finding a book. <laughs> really, what was going through my head at the time was we're not having sex. So why? Like, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to talk about? Right. This? Like, we're, we got nothing to talk about. And so no. not only did he find a study. For us, mm-hmm. he found the book within about two hours. Of course he did. Of course he did. But then Mr. Big Idea said, hey, you know, this is going to be, you know, like eight weeks. Mm. What if we what if we had sex every day for eight weeks? Wow. 60 days. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, right. uh, and keep what in mind. What would that be like? Keep in mind our kids were two and five. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mama's exhausted. Yep. And so I immediately said no. I'm like, and then wakes, walks up out of our bed, goes to the bathroom, puts on a green face mask, then comes out just to make sure that she, I knew that even that night we weren't going to have sex. Mm. I'm like, okay, I guess that's not happening. Total rejection mode. Total yeah. rejection mode. But the next day, literally, um, as I've shared the story with others, had my come to Jesus moment. Sure. And uh, Jesus met me in my garage with a basket full of laundry and okay. said, if you're not willing to try your marriage is over. Ooh. And I literally, I just remember standing there going and thinking to myself that that's not a possibility. Yeah. Like I'm not willing yeah. to give in. I already and so, shut that door. Right. I shut that door. So it's time to, it's time to get in the game. Yeah. And so Tony came home from work that day and I said, I'm in. Yep. And, you know, we worked out a few of the logistics because, you know, when we tell people about that, they're like, well, how hard is it to have sex for 60 days? I'm like, you Two try. You're the five-year-old? You try. You got to work some things out. I, I actually got a little scared when she said yes. 
because I was like, uh, right. okay, what is the guy mean? you're like, right now I got to step up to the plate here. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I was like, oh, that can't be that hard when I, when I mentioned to her. But then once she said it, I think it hit me the gravity of it. And I was like, oh man. So we, we set up our parameters and over the course of the 60 days, we had sex 40 out of the 60 days. Yep. And that really catapulted us. And it's not just because of the sex. It, and a lot of people will get caught on that and they'll just turn, turn around and turn away. Mm-hmm. Sure. Don't. It's not about the sex. I mean, it was in those 60 days that Elise and I got radical on our marriage. Like there became a spark. There became a romance. There became a passion for one another again that we hadn't had, I don't think, in years. If ever. If yeah, ever. It, we've had it. We had it. It just. That it one wasn't. summer in Boulder. Yeah. yeah. But it just, it, it really ignited us to something like, wow, there's so much more. Yeah. There's so much more to this life. And if this is the one relationship that we truly believe that we will be in until the day we die and the Lord takes us home, then why are we not putting in the effort like we yeah. do everywhere else? Yeah. And so that's where it really began to change for us. And we just said, all right, let's, let's do it. And uh, it's been it's been a journey ever since. That's for dang sure. And was that the beginning of the conversation for One Extraordinary Marriage? That came um, probably about a year later okay. because we, we went through the 60 days, um, gosh, 10 years ago now. Okay. 10? Yeah. Yeah. 10 11, years. 10. And we were invited to speak at a marriage conference the following summer. Yep. And at that conference, you know, all of the guys are looking at Tony like, how do you get this done? Yeah, like right on. And the wives. <laughs> right on, stud. Right. And the wives are looking at me like, this is the most ridiculous. Like, you have just ruined date night. Like, this huh. is going to be awful. And so it was in that, you know, we spoke. And then the next morning, the pastors who were leading it said, you know, everybody's talking about this. Like, this is a pretty crazy thing. What's next? Right. And I'm thinking, but what's next? It, like, I've done it. Right. right. Like, okay. Bucket list, done. Yeah. Cha-ching. Check. Cha-ching, done. And that's what started to launch mm. the ideas of what could we do? How could we bring this message of hope yeah. mm-hmm. to other people? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. And, you know, so fast forward to today, mm-hmm. you know, you have a podcast, mm-hmm. you are walking the walk, you're sharing your story, mm-hmm. which thank you so much for being authentic and being vulnerable. That's it's, it's really inspiring. Mm-hmm. What are some things you want, you know, our listeners to hear, to know? Well, it really comes down to you can make a difference mm. in your marriage. You know, our hashtag um, in the past for the one family, one of the hashtags that we used was what hashtag what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because every single person listening to this show, listening to Rise Up, you can do something in your marriage, in mm. your relationships. You can be more intentional. You can make the other person a priority. You can invest in the relationship. You can invest in yourself. And if you do that, you're going to reap. You're going to reap the rewards. Yeah. And then I would say, too, marriage is a marathon. Man, we're, we're, we're on this. This isn't, yeah. this isn't a sprint. It's not going to end tomorrow. We're in it for the long haul, and there are going to be seasons. There are going to be ups. There's going to be towns. There's going to be times when your spouse is sick and, and they're not doing well. There are going to be times when you are. There are going to be times when you have kid issues. There, there's always this There's this ebb and flow, and you need to know that. Um, what you see just on Instagram or social media, people just taking the best pictures of the best times, that's just a moment. Right. right. I mean, this is a life we're living, and Elise and I have just put the processes, the systems in place so that you can live that out. 
Yeah. Depending if it's in your sexual intimacy, your emotional intimacy, spiritual, or your recreational intimacy, wherever yeah. it may be. But let's put those things into play and let's do those. Let's be intentional. And like Elisa said, let's take action instead of sitting around just hoping it's going to going to work. Yeah. Feelings, feelings, can, they're going to come and go. Mm-hmm. They, they really are. But I, I'll tell you, my feelings for Elisa changed when I was taking action, when I was putting forth the effort, when I was just yep. going, you know what? It's not about her making the change. I have yeah. to make the change. When I've been in my function, when I'm not doing the best, I need to make that change. She doesn't. And so what am I going to do to do that? And together we have to agree, though, sometimes and uh, and make that work. And it's, it's that ebb and flow. Wonderful. I mean, one of the things that you know, a, a mentor shared with me several years ago, and I, I just believe this to be true, is you're 100% responsible for your experience of your marriage, mm-hmm. and you're also 100% responsible for your partner's experience of the marriage. Mm-hmm. And having that kind of responsibility for both, there's no keeping score. There's No, you're all in. Mm-hmm. Both have to win. Mm-hmm. That's an important point right there. Yeah. If we would stop keeping score. Oh, my gosh and just come at it from a place of service, yep. right? What does it look like in your relationships if you come from a place of servanthood? Mm. What would change Yeah. If, if that was how you treated, not just your marriage relationship, but every relationship? Yeah. How would people benefit? What if your spouse was your number one client? That's a game changer. That, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the things, you know, the tactical things that people can do to equip themselves, you know, taking away from listening to this conversation? Well, you know, it starts with you. It starts with, you know, looking at what are those areas of your marriage that you've already identified need help? Because I can guarantee you that people listening to this show are thinking, okay, well, maybe it's my financial intimacy or maybe it's the spiritual intimacy or or the sexual intimacy. Yeah. Don't avoid it. Don't avoid it. But don't try and do everything at once. Mm. Pick one. Okay. Pick one. Because so often we want to do this like clean sweep and make it all better and just focus on one area. Okay. Because if you focus on one area, you can actually create a ripple effect mm. of change instead of feeling frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I would say is come up with your vision. What's your okay. vision for your marriage? What What is it? What do you guys want? What are your core values? What What do you believe in? I think sometimes we're in this marriage and we're like, well, we're the same. Are, are you really? Are you, have you guys really talked about that? Do you, are you guys going on those date nights? Are you are you seeing the bigger picture? Are you just working in what's happening right now in front of you? And are, are you just putting out the fires? Because I know for Elisa and I, when we have that vision and we know our vision, the little things are going to come and go. They're going to impact us. And yet we know the bigger picture and where we're going to go. So if you have that big picture and what you want to do as a couple, I think that helps out a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Create, you know, what does it look like when it's thriving Mm -hmm. and everybody's happy and healthy? Yeah. We use vision for everything, you know, business, um, this show, I'm sure there's a vision for the show and who Mm -hmm. you're reaching and that type of Mm -hmm. thing here on Rise Up. And yet we don't often do that in our marriages. And it's the most important relationship. Let's create a vision Mm -hmm. and then go after that vision. Love it. Let's create a vision for our marriages and go after that vision yeah. and be hungry for it. Absolutely. And have fun and create a game with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Lisa, Tony, thank you so much. Folks, this has just been a, a privilege and an honor to have you guys on. I love this conversation. It's super important and it's one that we need to talk about more. You know, And I'm hoping we can get you guys on again in the future. Folks, you're going to want to go check out One Extraordinary Marriage. We'll be sharing everything on social media and email through all of our distribution channels. But Elisa and Tony, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you for your authenticity. 
And uh, I'm gonna, I have a couple practices that I'm taking away for myself and my marriage from this conversation. Folks, you've been listening to the Rise Up Network. I'm your host, James Carmody. Get out there and love and serve on your spouse and your partner.